You're listening to the Unstoppable E-Commerce Podcast. I'm your host, Karen Parkinson, and I'm here to help you sell more on your online store. Before we begin, I would love to pay respect and acknowledgement to the Palawa people of Lutruwita, who are the traditional owners of the land on which Unstoppable E-Commerce operates, and pay our respect to their elders, past, present, and emerging. On today's show, I am chatting with Katie Perry, that's K-A-T-I-E Perry, the owner of Fashion Label of the same name. She's been running her label for 16 years and she's sharing with us all the things that she has learned along the way. So let's jump in and chat with Katie now. Katie, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, I'm absolutely honoured and so excited to be doing this. Thanks for having me. Oh, of course. Uh, now, we also met at the Ozmumpreneur Conference in Sydney, or both attended, and then I reached out afterwards. I don't think we actually met on the day, but you were also an award winner under the fashion category, so congratulations. Thank you very much. Yeah, it was my first conference, and I believe your first as well. And just amazing yeah. to be, you know, in a room filled with other mums that are all running really great businesses. Yeah, as I was saying, like, we just met so many amazing businesswomen and so many different businesses as well. And I think at the awards night, there was something like 450 people. So quite often we feel like we're so alone <laughs> working online and doing the e-commerce thing can feel really, you know, isolating. And then when you all go to a in-person event, you're like, oh, there's actually heaps of people that get me and get what I do and, you know, get the struggles and challenges that I've been through. So it's sometimes really nice to remind yourself of that. Exactly. And that you're not all alone. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about Katy Perry, the label. Yes. So Katy Perry um, is all about sustainability, kindness, female empowerment and ethical production. So everything is made here in Australia. I use a lot of sustainable fabrics such as merino wool, bamboo, models, and the idea is that women put the clothes on and feel great about themselves so they feel more, more confident, more comfortable and more stylish. Absolutely love that. And I was doing a bit of Instagram stalking of yours recently and I saw that only 5% of Australian fashion labels are actually made in Australia, so you're a part of that 5%. I am very proudly and I have been from get go you know right from you know I started back in 2006 and everybody said to me go offshore you're going to make more money that way it's too expensive to make in Australia and to be honest I've been doing this for 16 years always made in Australia and people still tell me now go to China go to Indonesia go to Vietnam and I just say no I'm really happy to have it all made here in Australia there will always be those people and I'm one of them that would prefer to buy made in Australia you know, supporting Australian people and Australian jobs and exactly. Australian and our, families. Our own, like, construction, and we can talk about this later as well, but if all of our skill base goes offshore, we're going to get to the, the part where we won't be able to produce anything in Australia. Um, and and no one will know how, and they'll be nowhere to do it. Exactly. And even now, you know, it is qu- quite difficult, and I'm noticing, like, my you know, my cutter and my maker, their children aren't going in the industry whereas previous generations Mm. it was being passed on whereas now nobody wants to go in the industry because it's so tough yeah that's a really good point and yeah it's not going to be competitive if there's not a lot of people doing it exactly and I think one of the blessings from COVID is that it taught consumers but also businesses that 
you know, the moment supply from China shuts down, the moment freight becomes difficult, you're in a really difficult position where you're so reliant on overseas. And so for me, COVID didn't have any impact. Even though there was lockdown, my, my production house, everybody wore masks and they just were able to spread themselves out and have that distancing. Yeah. But, you know, I, didn't, I was still able to get product being made. Such a great lesson, I think, for people to learn. And, you know, there was the pandemic and I remember when it first hit and our clients kind of freaked out a little bit. And then within about a month, we were like, actually, this guy's, this, this is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> E-commerce saw this epic boom and we were like, wow, like when it happened, none of us thought that. There were obviously those challenges, but not for you being that you made everything locally. And I did see a lot of people diversify where their stock was coming from and look to making, you know, things locally because I think that's got to be the way of the future. We've got to support our own backyard and I know you're very into sustainability as well and the planet and the least amount of shipping and air freighting and all of that that we can do if we can just do things and make them here, you know, it's got to be a win as well for the environment. Exactly, And that's the thing, like what you touched on. So it's not just keeping the money in our own backyard and helping create jobs, but from a sustainability point of view, you know, it's a much lower carbon footprint. For me, like all of my fabric is made and knitted in Melbourne my production house is 10 kilometers from where my office is. My office, I actually this morning walked here. So, you know, it's like a 20 minute walk from where I live. So in terms of like the environment, the impact, it's really low all from my business point of view. That's amazing. Even have the fabric made there and it must be so empowering to be able to just go to your factory and actually watch the production process. And, you know, you've got a much closer view on that than a lot of people that are just relying on people offshore to do the right thing and exactly produce what they're hoping that they've, you know, asked for. So- and look, I hear like horror stories. And interesting, when I first started, I started off with a friend and he was doing very different. He was doing like streetwear and he was like, I'm going to get yeah, my t-shirts okay. made for like $2 and I'm going to sell them for 80 and I'm going to be raking all this money and you're so crazy to be making in Australia. And we kind of went on this journey together and then his first shipment arrived and these T-shirts that were supposed to be like slim fitted T-shirts, like streetwear, were like size double XL. And he actually came to me and he said, oh, I need a cutter. We're going to have to recut all of the T-shirts and have them re-sewn. <laughs> so that, you know, that $5 T-shirt ended up costing like And you didn't more. say, I told you so at all. No, I, <laughs> I, was like, I was like, you should have just made in Australia. By the way, here's my pattern maker. Here's my cutter. Oh, wow. Go and get it done here. Yeah. Is he still going? No, unfortunately. <laughs> it's a, a fashion is a tough industry. Yeah. And you've been going for 16 years, which is incredible. So what would you say have been your biggest lessons that you've learned over that time? Oh, she's so many. And I feel like I'm still <laughs> learning so many lessons. I think when I first started, it was finding production houses was really tricky for me. Fashion is notoriously really competitive um, and yeah. very secretive as well. So I'm a very kind of open book, very authentic. You know, you come and ask me a question that, you know, I'm happy to help anyone. But at that time I didn't have anyone who was actually in the industry who was happy to help. So I had to really like go, I went and visited all the production houses that I could. A lot of them wouldn't take me on board because I would only do small ranges. And then I started to learn that 
rather than going in and just saying like, oh, I'm just going to be making 20 of each size. I had to actually sell the dream to them and go in pretending yeah. that I had this much bigger business than I actually did. Um, and eventually I found... Minimum order quantities, I think, is one of the biggest barriers to entry for, you know, your own fashion label. It is. And look, it is hard. And that's, you know, it's something that even when people say, oh, can you, I want you to do big, much bigger sizes for me. And I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty curvy. I've always done, you know, the label goes from extra small up to extra large. So it's normally like an, an eight to about a 16. And I would love to yeah. go up to size, tw- you know, 26, 30, much bigger. But it's also in terms of a costing for me. Yeah. So it's not just the cost of the fabric. You've got to do minimum quantity of each size. and Exactly. So that's the kind of the, the harder aspect. Um, other challenges I've had, definitely mindset as well i think mm. you would probably know having your own business it is the biggest lesson in self-development um yeah i'm so glad you touched on that that's one we haven't really talked on much on the podcast but i believe that's such a huge factor in businesses succeeding or not succeeding and i put up a quote the other day and it was whether you believe you can or believe you can't you're right exactly and it's so true. I've done work with Denise Duffield Thomas. I don't yeah. know if you've heard of her. She's an Australian yeah. money mindset coach. She's incredible. Um, so she's all about women in business. But it's so true. Like, and even as far as like how much I'll get done in a day it depends. Like, what mindset I'm in on that particular day, or you know, whether I strive for you know a new product or something. It really comes down to mindset. So, what have you sort of learnt in that area? For me, that my mindset is my most important asset, particularly because I am the face and the brand. Um, I'm the creative controller. So that if my mindset isn't really strong and I'm not feeling confident, it really does impact my business. What I've learned is on days when when I'm not feeling, you know, you know, I've got a toddler that doesn't sleep. So on days when I'm like, I've already had three hours sleep, I'm just not feeling it. I'll do what's minimum. I feel you. <laughs> you know the feeling. Yeah, um, I'll do what. That's the admin days. Yeah, that's yeah. the admin. That's the days when maybe I'll like tweak my website. It might not be the days when I'm really promoting myself or I'm necessarily designing. Um, I'll also do the things that I really love as well, and just learning and just working. I, you know, I listen to podcasts. I read books. I will if I'm not feeling over inspired. I might listen to it like an interview with someone who I find inspiring, like Joe Malone or Diana von Fostenberg just to kind of up my energy and how I'm feeling. But it is like, yeah, mindset is Great ideas. is key. And I think at the beginning I found it, it bizarrely much easier because I'm, you know, pumped up like anything's possible. I'm going to create this massive empire. I'm going to sell thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of It's hard of to keep that going for 16 years. <laughs> it's much harder. <laughs> it's much harder because then the reality <laughs> kicks in like, oh, I'm not in Harrods and I'm not in David Jones. And, you know, I'm still, uh, to be honest, I find like I'm still in the trenches. You know, last year we, um, I had a pat- showroom in Paddington due to all the lockdowns here in Sydney. I ended up closing that and moving my business, which was kind yeah. of 50-50 showroom um, in-person events to online to having to go 100% online. So that's been, you know, a big pivot and a, a, a big, big learning and a big change. But, you know, I, a lot of your listeners would have their e-commerce and there's something so incredible 
about it and that, you know, I can be pushing my son on the swing and making money. And I'm like, Yoo-hoo! like we've just made orders, yeah. you know, I'm bathing the kids. I'm like, yes. Don't you this. love that Spotify? Ka-ching! Yeah, I love that sound. <laughs> I get upset when my phone's on silent. I like, don't get to hear the sound. Yeah, and you miss it. <laughs> Well, we say uh, for Igniters that we strive to make that sound so annoying that you have to turn it off. <laughs> that's, that's a good focus. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I love that. I love that mindset's such a big part of it. Having been in the industry for 16 years, and how long have you actually had the e-commerce side of the business? Like how long have you been right. online from day one? Pretty much from day one. So I got my domain the moment I knew what my label was going to be. So I was Katy Perry. That was the name that I was born with. And when I originally went in um, yep. to get the domain, so katyperry.com, it was actually taken by like a six-year-old that had in over in England that had like a horse. And I was like, damn, I'm like, oh. I really want that domain. And she still got it to this day. It's so frustrating. Oh, um, wow. And so I ended up with the .com.au. But very, very early on, right at the beginning of the business, I knew that I was always going to have a website and it was always going to have an e-commerce platform. And have you got the .au now? Yes, I've got katyperry.com.au and I've got katyperry.au. Yes, I've got that. Yeah, (laughs) excellent. Last minute reminder for anyone, the cutoff's over now, but you need to make sure you buy it before anyone else does. So having been in e-commerce for 16 years, there's been a lot of changes. Like you were in e-commerce before Facebook even existed mm-hmm. just about. I'm that makes me the feel so No, old. it had been, around, <laughs> no, so it had been around for two years, I think. Yeah, wasn't a thing. Um, so that's right. So what have you seen, um, like what are the most significant changes you've seen over this time and how have they affected the business? Huge amounts of change in a very short period of time. When I first started, it cost me thousands of dollars to actually get my website and an e-commerce aspect on board. And I had to go, my hosting was really expensive. I think it was like $120 a month. Any changes to the website, I had to get someone to change it. So every time I wanted to change or add product, I would have to pay someone to do that. Um, and now people don't realize how lucky we are these so days. Lucky. Oh. Anybody <laughs> can start a business and, you know, with a few hundred dollars shop. I mean, I use Shopify now. I have previously used WordPress, WooCommerce, but Shopify, it's so easy. Even now I'm amazed at just mm-hmm. how, you know, I can go in after this interview now and just make quick changes. Yeah. It's amazing. I think obviously the social media has been a massive change in the start of my business. So how did you drive traffic to the website at the beginning? So when I first started, I did Paddington Markets. So originally I was going to do the markets for three months just to get feedback from customers. I ended up doing it every Saturday for seven years. (laughs) Wow, it's a bit of a difference. (laughs) Bit of a difference. Wow. Um, But it was at a time where... You know, Paddington Markets was very much a destination place. So lots of holiday yeah. makers would come, you know, like Sass and Bide, Colette Dinnigan, Dinosaur Designs all started there. So it had this really creative um, kind of aspirational feel to it. You had to apply to get in and yeah. a lot of people were declined. You had to it have everything made in now, Australia. Hey. Yeah, unfortunately it has it has really changed. Um, and look, I, I, I love markets. I feel like that's kind of where I, I started. So I still will go to um, Paddington markets every so often. And sometimes I still see like familiar faces that were there even when I started over those 16 years ago. Wow. So at the markets I had, I was always focused on my uh, newsletter database and even yep. 
even now. That's one so of my You've been building your list from day one. That's amazing. Always been building. And I always knew that my newsletter was the way I could communicate to people. So yep. people would come to the markets. I would have a little sign up form. So clever. It would change throughout the years. I'd have either, you know, go in the draw to win a $100 gift voucher. Um, when I did a, a trade show, I actually worked with Crown Plaza and managed to get a hotel gift voucher. And so I oh, got fantastic. my friends to walk around the trade show and say, like, go in the draw to win this hotel voucher. All you need to do is add your newsletter or your email address. And I think back in the day, people were more willing to do that. I think now. because yeah, not everyone was asking for it. No. Now like, yeah, sure, everybody asks. Novel, you know. <laughs> it was more of like a novelty. Novelty, um, yeah. And I look, I have people on my database that were there right from the beginning and they still get, you know, my mm. monthly newsletter. That's incredible. And yeah, and Instagram when it first started, like you would have had so much great reach when you first started posting to Facebook and Instagram and particularly did you ever use Facebook ads in the early days? No. And look, to be honest, I mean, Facebook, I definitely did great reach. Instagram, I was probably slower to pick it up. Even now, I really have like a love hate with social media. Yeah. Um, if I, <laughs> I could understand that. If I my business without social media, to be honest, I probably would. I feel like the, the pressure and you hear these stories of like, oh, uh, my whole business, is, my millions of dollars have been built from Instagram. <laughs> That's how all fashion businesses build. You have to be on Instagram. And if you're on Instagram, you'll make millions of dollars. Like I'm here to say that that is not the truth for me. Like I yeah. really, I have to be consistent Pictures with of it. them sitting on the beach in a hammock. Wait, how <laughs> are they doing that? Like, how are you <laughs> doing this? <laughs> Tell me and I will do the same. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, it hasn't been like that for me. It's been a very slow and consistent build. But to be honest, I feel like that's my entire business has been that. Everything's been very organic, you know, from starting from Paddington Markets, I'm self-funded. I don't have outside influence. You've had some amazing PR though. You've been, I, I like I was reading your list. You it was part of a delegation that went to Hong Kong. Yeah. You were featured on the Today Show to advise fashion for the Melbourne Cup. Mm -hmm. You're a monthly columnist for Sydney Standard on fashion and style and a regular fashion and style advisor even on P&O Cruises. So, and not to mention, there's been a bunch of publications as well that you've been featured in. So how did you generate so many PR opportunities? And I guess, how do you leverage that for your business? Really great question. Um, the main thing is building relationships. So it's all about your network and the people that you know, and really building that, um, you know, the, the monthly article for Sydney Standard that was, he was just a, a local around Paddington. He was saying he was starting up the newspaper. I had known known him and, you know, was always like, we would always have a little chat just about having your own business. And then when he asked me to do it, I just said yes. And that's the other piece yeah. of advice is like, <laughs> say yes, even if you think like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm completely <laughs> out of my comfort zone. Like, oh, you know, I'm cringing in my stomach. Say yes and then learn. You know that saying of like figure it out later off the cliff and then get your parachute build the plane on the way down exactly yep. <laughs> and that is very much me it's the way I've run my business right from the beginning is that when an opportunity comes my way I will do my absolute I will say yes and then I do my absolute best so the to be part of that Hong That's Kong awesome. delegation it was just Oz Trade they sent through an email for Guardian and I was like 
I can do this. Yes, I can do this. And so I then put together a presentation. You had three people in a room who were then judging you about, you know, your business and your financials. Um, But I did my very best and I was one of 10 to be chosen. Amazing. And what was that experience like? That was incredible. So we were put up in a, in a showroom and you'd have to take all of your, your branding and you'd take your stock over. And then Hong Kong is an incredible place, particularly for entrepreneurs. They're really, really supportive. And so they invo- invited people from like the Langham, from Harrods. Um, we had the owner of ASOP as well. Oh, wow. So all these incredible women and men doing just incredible things and they came around. And then the thing that I got the most out of it is that we had he, he started up Australian Fashion Week. Um, oh, wow. Simon, his name is just I blanked on his surname, but he was the, the one who actually started Australian Fashion Week. And he came and he personally went through each of our brands and our designs and gave us feedback. And to me, that was wow. so incredibly beneficial and inspiring. And he, and he came over and he and he was critical of like some brands. He was actually quite critical of, and he just came over and he said. Your clothes are very commercial. They sell well. They feel great. You should really be pitching yourself to David Jones. You should be getting to department stores. You know, this is where you should be going. And I think you just need to keep keep working and keep doing trade shows. Yeah, it was just it was just so inspiring. And bizarrely, I was actually reading his book at the time oh, wow. at the same time. So yeah, it was. Did it you get was, him to sign it? I was like, I feel really geeky, but I have got your book here. Can you sign? And there's a Fantastic. photo of the two of us. Oh, I'm awesome. holding his, his book. But those kind of, and again, it's those connections. So, yeah. you know, when Isn't I talk about. It's funny how like one conversation can change the trajectory of your business too. Oh, completely. And how you just, well, for me, it just is building those relationships and being honest, you know, even saying to him like, yeah. Hey, I feel geeky. Here's like, here's your book, but it was a great icebreaker. And then we got the photo yeah. and then we connected over Instagram. That's amazing that you got to do that and that they put such, you know, put you in a room with such influential people that have so much advice to give as well. Yeah. Look at what I think sometimes. You know, particularly when you're starting out, you're kind of like, yes, I'm just going to do everything and hopefully one thing will be the thing that's going to make me (laughs) millions of dollars is going to be the thing that stick. But like what I've learned is now I'm probably not saying so much yes to everything. Um, And I'm really careful about the things that I will (laughs) be more selective. And I think that comes down to not having, you know, I've got a mum, I'm a mum of two little children. I don't have as much time. So that conscious, changes things, hey? Ooh. Oh, it just conscious, it's just your time, you know. So yeah. time away from my, my kids is time that I need to be focusing on my business. And, yeah, just more selective. But at the beginning, I have to say, like, just say yes to everything and then follow yeah. up. You know, you've done an event, like, send a thank you card, put a little chocolate in. If you get PR, reach out to the journalist. Say, like, thank you so much for doing that article. I really appreciate it. Share it. Great tips. I think those are real. it's important that we're all working together. And there's an appreciation around yeah, it. Yeah, that's such good advice. I'm always around, you know, collaboration over competition and always sort of reaching out to other, even other marketing agencies and stuff and just, oh, you know, that was a great post that you put up or, you know, just chatting. And I've made so many friendships doing that, you know, yes, business relationships too, but even just connecting with people on a more real level than just liking or following each other's Instagram and <laughs> things like that. They actually, uh, at the conference, we were both at, got people to get out their phones and go back onto LinkedIn. 
And that was something that I hadn't used for so long. And when I logged in, there was all these messages I felt kind of guilty that I hadn't seen them. (laughs) I was like, oh, people use this, right? But it was actually... I think Jordana explained it yesterday is like it was like a business networking group on Facebook but all on one platform and I was like yeah it kind of was and it was nice to kind of get back on there because people actually you know there's always going to be the spammy and the quick oh you know I want to connect with you but there were actually people that had sent genuine messages and things through wanting to make those relationships and I was like oh I need to do more of this. I agree and I felt I was the same I was like I really need to be more on LinkedIn because I do think Again, it's, a, it's a, time though, isn't it? It is time. And I think it's, you know, there's so much TikTok, Pinterest, Instagram, yeah. Facebook, LinkedIn. It's like, why so aren't much. you posting everywhere exactly. all the time? <laughs> Every hour. And I think oh. that's the other thing that, you know, I really focus on and I tell, you know, I help mentor and coach other people who have their own fashion labels of like focus also on income producing activities yes. because it it is great to have all that PR, and I've had a lot of it and there's been times where it's really snowballed. PR won't pay my bills though. Yeah. What pays my bills is when I sell my clothes. And so yeah. if I'm so busy chasing and wanting to be like, but I want to, you know, I want to be on TV and I want to have hundreds of thousands of followers. That's, that's all very well and good, but that is really marketing and yeah. it's not, it's not income producing activity. Such good advice there. Okay, so you do have this big focus on sustainability, which I absolutely love. So what are the things that you're doing, aside from just being made in Australia, to be a sustainable business? And what can people sort of do for their own businesses? Great. I I mean, I love this question. I am all about sustainability. So you had the owner of Hero Packaging. So that's one of the things we, we use Hero Packaging as well all of my my clothes actually come in either cardboard boxes or they come on coat hang like steel coat hangers that i then recycle and take back fantastic so a lot of the time with fashion things come in like plastic there's oh, no there's no horrible need clear plastic bags oh, make you just cringe that just gets and when people away. send them in that and i'm like this is not the experience i wanted to unwrap something beautiful not a plastic you know <laughs> exactly and i cringe. think that's, that's a good point is even packaging so, you know, like I love beautiful packaging um, and this is something that I have an internal conflict with because I love that <laughs> idea and everyone's like, and you need to have a beautiful unboxing experience. The problem with that is it then gets just thrown away in the bin. And yeah. I try, you know, I have like beautiful like Joe Malone boxes and I try to get the kids to use them, but there's only so many <laughs> that we can yeah. use. And so I've always had to think, like, if I'm all about sustainability, that's lovely to have a beautiful box that, you know, people unwrap. But what are they going to do with the box? They're going to throw it in the recycling. And even though it can be recycled, that's still landfill. It's still waste. It's it's still a waste. A waste of resources. Exactly. So all all of my clothes um, come in tissue paper that can be recycled. My gift boxes, I purposely unbrand so that people can reuse them again and again. My ribbons all zero waste, so they're actually leftover fabrics that I just cut and make oh, into ribbon. What a great idea! So yeah, I'm just I try to look at all aspects of the business of like where can I be more sustainable, and it doesn't mean that I'm perfect. You know, a few years ago, probably maybe like five years ago, I used to have little plastic bottles and I had my sticker and Katy Perry whenever I'd have events or people would come to the shop I'd be like have one of my branded little plastic bottles single use and then I started to go like how can I be about sustainability here I am a single use plastic bottle 
And that's yeah. when I brought in, so now I do like, I offer like crystal water bottles that can buy. So they're glass bottles that can be reused. And I think it's just a matter of looking at your business and finding ways that you can make it more sustainable. I actually love those crystal water bottles. I know you just glanced over them like they were nothing, <laughs> but they look amazing. They're absolutely um, beautiful. So they're actually like a crystal inside the water bottle, which is like a reusable drink bottle. Um, so then infused by crystals. They look so cool. I'm just checking them out on the website. Oh, thank um, you. They've been really so popular and a great I can imagine, yeah. yeah. Great gift as well. Christmas is coming. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so I think that's, you know, looking even in my office. So I'm a zero plastic office. So we don't Fantastic. use any plastics within the office at all. And it's just little steps. You know, I think if millions of people take little steps and take some of the pressure off, that will have a bigger impact on the environment. Um, and we also, which I'm really excited, this has only just happened, like I haven't even probably launched it, so you could be one of the first to know about Ooh, it. Oh, yes, you heard it here first, folks. You heard it here first. <laughs> I've collaborated with Green Spark. Ah, oh, yes, so, I can see this on your website. Yeah, so now when people join the newsletter, rather than getting a 10% off or free shipping, which everybody seems to be doing, we actually save two plastic bottles from the ocean. And we're working that. with Plastic Bank. And so they also then help people you make money from those plastic, from saving those plastic bottles. You know, all, that way you're attracting the people who are going to be, you know, wanting your products. You're attracting the right kind of people because they're, they're interested enough to save the bottles. You know, they're going to be wanting clothing that's been sustainably made as well. Exactly. So I think and, that's so incredibly clever. And I think also it's important, I've noticed, like it's, it's great for me to be able to say I'm sustainable, I'm a low-carbon footprint, I'm made in Australia, but people want to know numbers as well. Yeah. So for me to say, oh, well, that's this tangible. month, from newsletter sign up, we have saved 385 plastic bottles from the ocean. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> it's great to be you able to have that data. visually picture that, you know, and I love that. And I think one of the big things that you've touched on is that some people feel like, well, I can't be that brand that's about sustainability because I can't get it 100% right, so I'm just going to do nothing or I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to keep sending in my plastic bags and things like that. And even for fashion now, you can get those clear plastics, not in plastic, but in the Aqua Hero that Hero Packaging's just bought out, which dissolves in hot water, which is just incredible. So there are alternatives. And I love that you acknowledge that you made a mistake with the bottles and the single use because that's okay. You know, my first photo shoot, we got balloons and, you know, it was all about, you know, fun and color and everything. And I'm like, well, I don't actually, you know, like balloons going you know and I hate it when they let them go and things like that and I'm like well that doesn't actually tie into my beliefs so why did I do that and but I love that you just said it. it's like oh well I'm not perfect I messed that up you know I stopped using those photos but it's it takes sometimes we stuff up and you know we do things and think back and go oh why did we even do that so I love that you can actually just say well, we're not all perfect but if we're all trying our best to do as much as we can so if you've been thinking oh well I'm not going to be that fully sustainable brand just change your packaging like that's the quickest easiest thing you can do and then look at what next exactly. what next and if you exactly. can keep doing that one more step we can all make a much bigger impact and even recently I saw on a website um, and they had beautiful you know packaging but at the end when you went to buy you could untick no, like I want plain packaging. I don't need any extra packaging. And I that's thought, great, awesome. that's a good way because even though you want that beautiful unboxing experience, you're giving people the opportunity to say, 
yes, and yes. I'm happy for all of that packaging or no, that actually doesn't align with my values. I really like that idea and I think that will become more and more common now. Definitely. Consumers are far more conscious now of the way that they're consuming products and, you know, what they're sent in and things like that. And particularly in fashion. I mean, you know, it is the second biggest polluter after the oil industry. So, and this fast fashion. That's huge. You know, I feel like we've had this with food. So we had the, you know, organic, the slow food versus the fast food. And I feel like for fashion, we're really now at this crossroads where we're going to have to focus on sustainable, less as well. Let's buy quality over quantity. And then yes. there's always going to be that fast fashion. Um but it's just like in the food industry. There's some where I'm happy to pay a little bit more for organic chicken and be proud of that as well. Whereas, yeah. I, you know, we're, we're getting there. Um, it's just slow steps. Yeah. Old me would never have spent so much like on T-shirt. But now I'm like, well, I don't want to go somewhere where they're, you know, throwing out their season that doesn't sell and, you know, all those sort of practices. I don't want to get my T-shirt for $20. And mm. I think the last one was 120 but it was oh. from a lady who's on Instagram who, you know, it is made in Australia. They're beautiful other Australian designs, you know, and then they show them making it there and people buy into that story. And, like, if I know it's handmade, you know, it's worth more to me. Definitely. And I'm sure when you put it on, you probably wear it differently as well. And you're like, it feels beautiful. Your shoulders are back. <laughs> And there's a story. So when someone says, oh, that's a great T-shirt, you can be like, oh, actually, it's I found it on Instagram. It's all made here. There's a story I am totally it. that poster child for every – because I am I am very into bright, colourful patterns and stuff. So when I do wear these clothes that are, you know, local designs and things, people do stop me and go, oh, that's amazing. And I go into this big story <laughs> and then at the end of it I'm like – oh, you probably just wanted to thank you, but here I've told you all about the brand and then the artist and then the person who made it and where they are and their Instagram handle and you can go buy it here. And I love that. <laughs> but, you know, I think that's – I've changed as a consumer over the years as well and I hardly – you know, I probably buy two or three things a year whereas, you know, back in the day, oh, I'm going out somewhere, I'll go get a new outfit. And I think that's what we're trying to get rid of, right? Exactly. And also now there's more at, you know, if you've got a wedding coming up, you can rent a dress. I just did that for Osmanpreneur Awards fantastic. actually was my first time renting. I was like, I really want to wear a nice dress, but I don't want to buy something that's just going to sit in my wardrobe again because I don't get to big formal things very often. I'm like, but I want to be all glitzy. And someone put me on to renting my hairdresser. She's like, have you ever thought about just renting a dress? I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. And they sent it out and it was so easy. I just popped it in a bag and sent it back for, you know, they got it back the next day. They did all the dry cleaning and everything. I was like, oh, this is incredible. I'll do this again. And it's not just so, going to sit in your wardrobe as well. Exactly. And look, the dress I wore for the Osmum, that was a dress I've had for five years. And I think sometimes we get this in our head, oh, but everybody's seen it on social media. And like, no you know, one's going to notice, really. Nobody <laughs> noticed. Everyone was like, that's such a beautiful dress. And I was like, yeah, I've had it, I've had it for five years. I've worn it to a number, you know, I wore it to my husband's 40th. I've worn it to a wedding. Like everybody has seen it. It has been on social media a lot, but yet. And it I, still looks great. It still looks great <laughs> and I still felt beautiful in it. It doesn't, we don't have to always have new. Another place I tend to shop these days is Marketplace because I feel like there are still those people that do go out and buy the dress and wear it once. So I'm like, well, why buy a brand new one when I can just go and, you know, take that one? So Yeah, definitely. That's the good thing. There's so many options. 
Yeah, so many more these days. Now, you touched a bit on your email marketing and how you collect emails and you have from day one. And you also mentioned about doing activities that actually make money. So not just the PR and things like that. So what would you say is your most effective marketing tool as far as actually bringing in the sales? My newsletter. The newsletter. <laughs> I thought you were going to say yeah. that. <laughs> so you only one. email once a month though? I am quite sporadic. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it used to be every month. And then just quite recently, I started every, every Sunday. So it was like a sustainable Sunday. Love that. I have dropped off, I will admit. But we're, I'm getting a new launch coming in and so new pieces are coming in. So, again, and obviously the Christmas season's coming up. Yeah, so quarter four. Yeah, I've already started booking in the every Sunday. So it'll be an automatic thing. Excellent. But I think that's the – and I say this to myself as much as I say it to everyone else is just consistency. And Consistency is key, yeah. Consistency is key. And I know when and I send that out my newsletter, that reminds me my newsletter's one. due today. Oh, send it out. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Um, and it's funny, like uh, every now and then, because I used to have someone that would do all of the marketing and send out the newsletter, and then I took it on myself. And this one time, I think my daughter was sick or something. I'm like, oh, it's fine. No one will notice. I got an email going, are we not getting the weekly email this week? <laughs> and I was like, oh, People actually read this and like expect it. And I thought that was just such a wake up call. I didn't think anyone would actually call me out on it, but they did. I'm like, okay, back to every week. And, you know, I messed up last week. It's supposed to go out Thursday or Friday and I could never remember which day. So I'd mix it up. And then I think it went out on Sunday because I didn't get to it. I'm like, oh, I better get that out. <laughs> so but you, but you got I'm it terrible out. at consistency as well. But yes, I did get it out. So if anyone uh, is wondering, I'm just experimenting with the best day. <laughs> You're A-B testing at the moment. Yes. <laughs> could be Thursday, could be Friday, could be Sunday. Exactly, exactly. Okay, you've shared so much. Thank you. Last one is what advice do you have to anyone looking to start their own clothing label? I know that's something people aspire to and dream about and you've obviously done it. You've been in the trenches, but not only that, you've kept it going for 16 years, which is incredible. So, yeah, what advice would you have? Okay, this is a big one. My biggest advice, and I do get quite a lot of people, as you said, like aspiring to have their own label. Really, if you haven't studied fashion, if you, you know, don't come from like maybe a background or with people that sew or really know, make sure you get help. Um, you're going to really need a really great mm -hmm. pattern maker. That's one of the, the hard things in Australia is that rather than just going to one production house, so, you know, if you went offshore, you'd just be like, this is my kind of idea. Can you just make a hundred of them for me? In Australia, you need yeah. a pattern maker, you need a cutter, you need the maker and your trim. You know, all my fabric comes and gets delivered in one spot and then it gets cut somewhere else and then it gets made. Um, yeah, okay. But then the positive of that is that I have a lot more control over it. Yeah. If you're not, you know, confident in your design aspect or even in production, get help, get mentoring, get coaches it is a very easy field to lose a lot of money very very quickly yeah. and particularly because you do have minimum runs you know the fabric i use is very is quite expensive because it's all high quality mm. you just for me you, you know you can't just mess around and go well i'll just i'll just try all 100 of these styles and see what works and fingers crossed hope for the best yeah <laughs> i think also don't be fearful of starting out at the markets you know, once you, I yeah. had a really small range. I only had like seven pieces in like two different colors. I started just with small, medium, and large, and started, like I said, at, at Paddington Markets. 
Um, you know, I hate, I think a lot of times we hear these stories of Silicon Valley funded you know, fashion or, you know, products um, who are then making millions of dollars, you know, within a year are doing that. Yeah. Like my story is 16 years, slow and consistent action. You know, I want to build a legacy. I'm now, my daughter's six years old. So she, we now have a range of kids' scarves. I'm getting her involved in it, teaching her about entrepreneurship and merino wool and biodegradable. And now I'm going off on a tangent. But for people that want to start a clothing oh, label. <laughs> it's a good tangent. Um, I like that. Tangent. You know, some kids sell lemonade at lemonade stalls. Your kid's getting into merino wool yeah, scarves. She, she walks down the street going, anyone want a savvy scarf? Savvy scarf? Oh. <laughs> like they're a dollar. That's no, so they're, cute. Honey, they're not no, a dollar. they're not, honey. <laughs> um, so We've just got to teach her about profit next. <laughs> that, that is the next one. Find out where you want to make. Uh, obviously, I'm a big ambassador for being made in australia i think you can it's still possible and you can do smaller runs test out the market don't just test it out with friends as well yes because friends will always say yes we love it but you know do they really love it and will they put will they pay full price their money where their mouth is yeah exactly and when you are say in the markets you know get people's newsletter even if you don't make money the first time, maybe use it as market research and be like, okay, I haven't yeah. made any money, but I'm here learning. What do people like? What are they drawn to? Who is my what client What they pick base? up? What questions did they ask? Exactly. And know your numbers. You know, it's really important to know your cost of goods. How much is your fabric per meter? How much is your patterns? How much are all your swing tags? Like every care label every aspect of it has to come into the cost of the good. How much will it be to send out to your customers as well? Um, And that would be the most important. Like it's unfortunately it's a really creative industry and it draws a lot of creatives. And to be honest, I'm super creative. I don't like the numbers, but I forced myself to learn. And to yeah, get really you've clear got to, about. You've got to know the numbers in your business to have a profitable business. Exactly. Otherwise, you're just buying yourself a hobby. Yeah, complete. or otherwise it's a charity. Yeah. You're, you're paying. <laughs> paying people to wear your clothes, yeah. Um, but, but, you know, I'd like to end on a high note and be like, if you dream it, dream it, plan it, do it. You know, if yeah, you have this hankering for it, just do it. And there's don't listen to the naysayers who say this is a bad time to do it. There's never going to be a good time. I had a lot, many, like many a people baby, say isn't that. It? <laughs> oh, exactly like having a baby. And until you jump, you again, like having a baby, you have no idea what you're in for. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Yeah. I love that. So yeah, just do it, but get help along the way. Cause you don't know what you don't know. And knowing those numbers, that's the first module of Ignite is actually called Know Your Numbers because it's so, so important to know, you know, what your profit margins are before you start sort of selling. And I think people see so many people doing things. There's a lot of copying going on. Like, oh, well, if they're pricing it for that, I better price it for that. And if they're giving 10% off for an email, I better give 10% off for an email. And then, you know, you sit down with them, you show them the numbers, go, realize you're not making any money on this. Like... Exactly. You've got to know your own numbers. Don't worry about what everyone else is doing. So thank you so much for all that advice. It's amazing to hear your story after 16 years, you know, just how much everything's changed. And I just love that you were collecting a list from day one. Uh, otherwise, you know, you'd be kicking yourself now if you'd had 16 years worth of markets and, you know, e-commerce and not done that. So I'm just so proud that you have. Yeah, thank thank you, you so much for sharing with us today. Now, if somebody doesn't want to get in touch with you, uh, you mentioned you do some mentoring and things like that as well. Where can they find you? 
So my Instagram and my Facebook is Katie Perry. So K-A-T-I-E Perry dot clothing. <laughs> and I also have obviously my website, which is katieperry.com.au. Excellent. So uh, make sure that you're following her there and I will put all of Katie's links in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for your time today, Katie. It was so lovely to hear your story. Thank you. I had so much fun. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you're looking to sell more on your online store, be sure to check out my signature program, Ecom Igniter. You can find out more at ecomigniter.com.